Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And then, and then it was eerily quiet. And then my mind was kind of like, you know, the head in the fishbowl. But it takes me into the bathroom and says, this is how you brush your teeth. Brush, rinse, repeat, brush, rinse, repeat, brush, rinse, repeat. But there were two girls, and it was like, you'll have to give us a ride. He can't fill us, though. He can't refuse us. He'll let us in his car. The thoughts were all alone in this empty void. You know, the head in the fishbowl. This doesn't look right. They got close enough where he said he could see. Hey guys, welcome to Conspiranormal. Uh, this is going to be an interesting show for us, Rob, because I don't really know what to expect. <laughs> we have... Jeff coming in later, your old compadre from the Leisure Hour. Yes, we and do. He used to sit in with us, like at least at the beginning of this year, and some last year he would sit in with us. And I don't know what he's going to ask or what the topics are. He said he wanted to talk about World War II, which is a pretty wide subject. So we will see. Um, we're kind of winging it tonight. Yeah, we are kind of winging it. This is going to kind of be like, I guess, our second romper room show. I suppose <laughs> I'm not. I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen here, but uh, I do know that uh, I have some people on the line that are very near and close to me, and they have something that they want to put out there to the conspiranormal listening to conspiracy normal listeners the listening audience so to speak uh you sounded real fancy there for a second oh very fancy yes sir uh jason von stein who is my who is my cousin and his father jim von stein who is my uncle it, it, it normally works like that in family relationships as i (laughs) as i kind of understand uh we're in tennessee (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. I wasn't going to make that joke. I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't sleep. <laughs> where, where are you guys? Are you in Atlanta or are you in Chattanooga right now? We're, we're in Atlanta right now. Okay, okay. All right, I got gotcha. you. In our place, hanging out, yeah. All right, well, uh, Jason, I'm going to turn it over to you because you have done a Kickstarter and I understand that you have met your goal, but we are here to try to get you a little bit further along the line there. Uh, tell us what this is all about and what you're trying to accomplish. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. I have hit one of the goals. Uh, the project is the Jim Vonstein 5000 Song Project. My father in his whole life, 64 years, he's written over 5,000 songs and probably more than that. Wow. In our household, pieces of paper... You can't just throw them away because there's some sort of melody on them or something like that. Um, so in his lifetime, he's written 5,000 songs. And in his lifetime, he's tried, you know, like a lot of people, to release a few CDs and, you know, get something going. But it never really panned out. Um, so what I've been doing is I've actually, the last couple of years, have been playing his songs out uh, at open mics. And uh, I've learned that, you know, I've, I've been lucky. I've been an actor for a long time and a wrestling manager. And, you know, I've, I've done a lot of different cool things in my life. But playing the songs out, um, it, it's just thrilling because I'm telling my family stories. You know, these are my dad's songs, and people really like them. And it doesn't matter about, uh, you know, race or age or sex. You know, people of all kinds come up to me and tell me different positive things. Um, so, in the course of my dad's lifetime, he's you know made a few CDs, but he's never had a chance to make a music video. So that's what this is about. What I've done is I've selected uh, 30 of his songs and. Wow. The Kickstarter's 30 days, so what I'm going to do is every day I'm going to upload a new track. And I wanted to make the music video for $1,000 because I wanted to show people that if you're creative, you can work around you know, a big budget. I've done a lot of independent films in my lifetime, and they always required creativity. And I kind of want to show people you can do that. So we've actually hit the pledge goal of 1000 so that's the first goal. But the overall goal is... The backers are actually, I want the backers to select the song and also the concept for the music video. Uh, I've had a, a bunch of my friends get together and come up with ideas for music videos for my father's songs. I have as well. And even my father has. And we're reaching out. If people have ideas for music videos, please come to the you know Kickstarter, the Jim Bonstein 5000 Song Project, and submit your ideas. Uh, at the end of this, October 17th, uh, the audience will have picked one of the songs, and that's the one we're going to make the music video for. So it's really important to continue to come back and keep listening. We've already get financially got what we need, but really I need people to listen, and we need your vote. We need you to you know, tell us what song you want to hear, and that's the video we're going to make. I, I wanted, to, I wanted to, to put it in control of the backers instead of just getting a T-shirt or hat. You know, This is something that, that you want. You vote for it. This is your idea. He's got an idea for everything so the easiest thing is to let the backers choose right excellent I, I think that's I think that's really great that you're doing this um, I do too you know that that is something that uh, you know I know you know growing up around you guys of course that uh, uh, Uncle Jim has uh, been a songwriter for many many years and has written some really great songs Uh Jim, how do you feel about all this? What do you think about what's going on? And especially, you know, re- uh, reaching $1,000 towards this goal. I mean, this is this is really cool. Well, I, I am kind of 
you know, I mean, I'm honored that my son is even doing this, but, you know, you know, it's, it's overwhelming is what it is, I guess, you know, but it's wonderful though. And, it, and, you know, there's people out there that want to hear good stories and I'm hoping that's what they are. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the only reason I write them is to, you know, entertain the people that way they get their own concept from whatever song it is, you know, because some of them, you know, I, I've heard people say that they thought the song was about somebody when in actuality, when I wrote the song, I might have been thinking about an animal or something. But each of us look <laughs> at things differently, and I don't tell them that. I just let them, hey, what they got is what they got, you know. Right. So, so you let them uh, actually run their own imagination through whatever particular song it is. Yeah, I've always thought that was important when you're writing a song, too, is because then they become part of the creative process on the fly, you know, like... I never like to explain what a song is about to anybody. If people ask me, it's kind of like, if it means something to you, it means something to you, you know? Exactly, exactly. So so that's the way I look at it. But it's 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 remarkable that it's been back as well as it has. And by friends, I must say, and and good people. And uh, But I think we all got some kind of connection together, you know? And it, it's, again, it's overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, 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 you guys reached this thousand dollar goal pretty quick because Jason, you put this up, man. Like when this was uh, uh, the Saturday. 17. Yeah, yeah. So it's only it's only been up okay, for four days. Sunday. It's yeah, the goal. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're recording this on the twentieth. Um, yeah, I can't believe you know it's it's really taken off. I uh, I feel very 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 blessed. You know, I'm blessed in a lot. Of ways, you know, I grew up listening to you know the Beatles and Jim Croce and Stevie Wonder, uh, but I also grew up listening to Jim Vonstein. And there's a lot of good stories there that a lot of people haven't heard. And please come and check out the site because you know, as much of it is, it's a gift to come. But I think it's a gift for you too to listen because these songs are really, really, they're really good. Yeah, I can I can second that for sure. Uh, Jason, where have you been playing these songs at, man? What's uh, what, what are some of the venues? And I understand that you uh, you did a festival not too long ago, and we'll go ahead and promote yeah, actually, those guys as well. Yeah, Josh Ayers. Uh, so interesting story. My dad, he's been writing all his life, so he started getting on Craigslist looking for people to help out. Uh, you know, maybe musicians collaborate a little bit, and through doing that, he met uh, a gentleman named Josh Ayers who happened to run a, a radio show, and he met him years ago. And Josh, uh, man, he's consistent, and he tries a lot of different things, and he's grown from a radio show to now he runs uh, a festival. And uh, we did a festival, me, Dad, and our neighbor actually played it a few years back when it was in his backyard. But now it's grown to a whole uh, another place in Oneida, Tennessee, where they have uh, guests staying the night. They have guest houses. We literally we showed up and there was a guy dressed up as a cowboy with cowboy boots and a <laughs> yeah. gun and a cowboy hat. I saw horse, that guy. Took through, <laughs> yeah, took us through a wild west town with a saloon to get to a stage that sounded unbelievable. So Josh has uh, you know been promoting this. Uh, we've been talking to him actually. It was just on his show the other night, and uh, yeah, we've been really lucky. Of all the people, Josh couldn't believe the amount of songs Dad had because every week Dad was sending him a new song. So Josh was promoting it. He's done a few shows based around just the music of Jim Vonstein. So he's been uh, just a big friend, a big, uh, you know, if not 
for him and him giving me an opportunity to go and play with dad, you know, I, I wouldn't have the confidence to continue to do it. Um, besides there, I've been playing in Atlanta, I've played in Kennesaw, uh, Marietta, I played, uh, I played at Eddie's Attic a few times. Uh, um, that's in Decatur. Um, I've played uh, Suburban Tap. Uh, I try to do as many open mics as I can, whatever's throughout the city. Um, it comes with its good and bad. I've been booed off a few stages, but you know, <laughs> 90% of the time people are happy, so that's the way it goes. Have you thought about coming up here to Nashville? Because, you know, this is, uh, the, this is where all the honky-tonks are. Rob can get you hooked up. up. I, would actually, <laughs> I would like to see how dead songs would do there. I put his country music song up against you know anybody his country music songs and his songs in general uh they're stories and if people come and listen to them they'll see and i think they make perfect music videos because them themselves is a story and i think that's been lost in country music there used to be you know conway twitty that was tear jerkers you know that era of patsy klein you know, that's the kind of music that made you cry mm-hmm. i think country music's kind of turned into you know kicking ass and drinking booze and stuff like that which you know there's a place for that but if people listen to these songs it really it's a throwback you know are you telling me you don't like florida georgia line is that what you're trying to say i like everybody i'm not gonna you know <laughs> i'm not calling anybody out i'm not gonna i already learned enough wrestling so. Kurt Kilgore, all people out. hey we need to uh we need to get you to play the halftime show at the titans game rob can hook you up man he he was there last week uh, or the week before I, 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 I would absolutely love that that'd be amazing well yeah. i, I wow. have i have to ask since this is a show um geared towards the paranormal and conspiracy theory and you know this is a slightly different topic than what we're used to are there any songs in the canon that deal with like the supernatural or is something uh that is related to it well uh, in some ways I, i'm sure i've probably touched on it. i couldn't point it out because i don't go through the library or the catalog but you know i'm, I'm spurred to write by various things like something happens or i say something I'm dyslexic when they refer to you as the stupid kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so sometimes I say something and it comes out reversed and it's something I write a song about. So I never know. There's probably been times where I've been, uh, I've never seen a paranormal, but I mean, but I, I, I see TV and, and it inspires me too. Or sure. so I may have written something like that. I like using the word ghost a lot in some of my songs. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. The song I actually uploaded today uh, is called Ghost of Time in honor of being on the podcast. Um, but the reference is more about, you know, a lost memory, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I use it in that kind of way, not that like a ghost, actually, you know. But He does write a lot about angels. Yeah. And I will actually play that at the end of this podcast uh, for the end of this show tonight, so... Um, yeah. Everybody will will get to hear will get to hear some of that music. Um, are are there any are are what uh, do you some do you have any ideas for like uh, what, what kind of ideas do you have for the videos, Jason? Like, what's some of your ideas? Um, yeah, I can uh, tell you now. Like, for instance, Ghost of Time, uh, the video for that that idea. It sounded when I first heard it, it sounded to me like a train like going. So I kind of. Uh, wrote that in mind I, I have an idea uh, about a gentleman who is on the back of a train and he's just looking lost um, and it shows a series of flashbacks of him having happy 
times with a, a wife and a child, and then it goes back to him on the train and he's lost again. And then it shows another flashback and it's uh, it's a hurricane. And then it goes back to him and he's just lost on the train. Um, so unfortunately, it's a little you know relevant at this time. I hate that, but uh, you know ideas like that. I you know with it being a thousand dollar budget, I really got to think. Uh, you know, I can't have helicopters and machine guns, and you know, that's just not going to work. You're so not you going to go for a Michael Bay man walk on these. I'm, you know what? If we can share this to Michael that Bay, would help well. <laughs> you know, seven Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that'll be a video too. You know? um, but uh, uh, yeah, I got to think with that in mind. So I, so I was lucky enough last year. I did. I directed a couple music videos, and both of them were a thousand dollars. And the first one I made was very elaborate about a woman going on a date with an elephant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did make it under a thousand, but it was, you know, it, it was close. Awesome. Um, the second one was more poignant. It was about uh, two homeless guys and they find a bag of money and they start fighting each other for the bag of money. And as they're doing that, the money flies off in the distance. And then they realize the unimportance of that um, when it comes together. And, you know, that was a shoestring budget as well. I think if you have good actors and you get a good song, especially with dad songs, the stories tell themselves. So I just need uh, really good actors and good locations. And, you know, I'm lucky I've already got a group of people that have uh, helped out on the previous videos and are going to help out on this one. And, you know, I've learned a lot of things from, you know, a lot of videos about mistakes and what not to do. So I'm excited to see what people choose and you know, getting the challenge of bringing that together. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I, I think this is great what you're doing, Jason. I mean, this is a good, um, a good tribute to your dad and, and the songs that he has, that he has written. Um, but tell everybody before we leave again, where they can find this. And I will actually, I will also also have this on the show notes as well. If anybody wants to, uh, Check it out. Uh, check out the video that you've put up for it, and also uh, donate as well. So tell everybody where they can find this. Yeah, on Kickstarter, if you go to the Jim Von Stein Five Thousand Song Project, uh, we are actually currently the number one search for music videos on Kickstarter. So that's another blessing. Um, and while I'll, I'll talk about this, I'll say there's a couple of cool pledges. Um, for fifty dollars, uh, I'll do a, a concert for you, Skype concert, or in person if you can make it to Atlanta. And there's a few left, but for a hundred dollars, my dad will actually write a personalized song for you. So if oh, you've wow. got an idea for a song that you want to get down, um, six people have uh, accepted that. He's already written four, so that just tells you how prolific uh, and talented he really is. Uh, but again, on Kickstarter, the Jim Von Stein Five Thousand Song Project. Well, thank you, Jason, and thank you, Jim, for coming on and being a part of this tonight. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the final product. Well, thank you for having both of us. Yeah, thank you again. And, uh, yeah, thank you for squeezing us on. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, for sure. You probably wouldn't even know us if we weren't in a family. (laughs) (laughs) But I would want to know you. That's the the good part. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we think the same way, too. I mean. It was meant to be. Like what? I'll be your Huckleberry, Adam. There you go. There you go. All right, guys. We're gonna. Uh, we're now gonna go to uh, where I don't really know what to expect with Mr. Jeff if he ever shows up if he's not at Home Depot or whatever. So uh, <laughs> if not, we're winging it anyway. Gentleman. 
<laughs> I was going to say thank you to the other gentleman there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you could say thank you to Luke. I mean, well, he's not here, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll pass the word on. <laughs> yeah, we'll pass okay. the word on. <laughs> yeah, leave us a thank you note. <laughs> absolutely, you guys. Stay on the line for us, and we're going to close out the section, and we'll be back with uh, Mr. Heim on Conspiranormal. You ready? Welcome to Conspiranormal. (laughs) Today I'm your guest co-host, Jeff, and uh, I'm here with the Robster, and I'm here with the Adamster. Robberino. Robberino. Well, I'm sure they were like, I don't know who Robberino is. But anyway, um, yeah, we're here. We're enjoying a fine cigar. A Rocky Patel 1990. We are. They're going to sponsor us one day. Indeed. Yes. We which need to, I, we need I to find some these. cigar sponsors, man. Yeah. We all do, babe. <laughs> um, but yes, this and it's a fine... It's, uh, it's great. It's got a good body. It's woodsy, but it's also chocolatey. Excellent. Very nice. I'd like to hear some, uh, some cash, like some money, like a cash... Machine, Cha-ching. Sounds, you know, like that would be nice. I don't even want money at this point. I would do the show for free scotch and cigars. <laughs> I'm not lying. That's why I would do like 90 percent of anything. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, I would. Uh, I'd like some money out of it for sure. Uh, you know what I mean? Can I? Oh, can I just start off on like a weird note? Mm-hmm. I cigars. I love them so much, and I will smoke one every day and all that, and I truly look forward to that time that I have with them and that kind of thing. And it's funny how, like, like most of the people that smoke cigars are absolute, like, wretched people. You know, I know what I mean? <laughs> I, I do know what you mean, because I'll read, I'll be on, like, I'll be researching, like, what I'm going to buy next, and, like, I read these reviews, and they're like, well, this cigar is okay when I'm at the golf club, but uh, it's it's. I'm like, yeah, it's just horrible, like terrible Republicans. Nothing, nothing against people like that golf, <laughs> but like, oh, there goes some listeners. <laughs> well, they need to know that you're terrible. Um, but yeah, such a, such an elitist. The, I'll get um, that uh, elitist email. Again. Well, I'll give you a prime example. I get you know if you buy a cigar, they're going to send you a subscription to Cigar Aficionado. Right. And which is, you know, it's okay magazine. It is what it is. Pictures of Russ Limbaugh, right? Because he loves cigars. That's who I was going to talk about. (laughs) There'll be at the back, there'll be a, we were at this uh, celebrity gala and it'll be Rush Limbaugh there, that horrible, disgusting, like, turd of a man. There go some more listeners. And he's like, he's done nothing good for humanity at all. He just, like, fuels hate. What is that thing that he 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 just. He has mega dittos, man. Oh, I know, but I know. How, but, but how can you avoid that, though? Because, like, the man loves cigars. So, I mean, you have somebody that loves cigars and is willing to endorse the cigar company. How can they avoid that? 
That's oh, the they only, can. That's the only but thing. that's that's what I'm saying. It's like it's one of those things that I truly cherish on this earth, and all these horrible <laughs> people do it. <laughs> but the um, uh, yeah. So, oh well. Anyway, I also love trucks a lot, but and like the worst <laughs> people love trucks. You know what I mean? It's uh, what is Rush Limbaugh's thing about? I had a point to that. He was. Uh, is this true or not? Because I don't, I don't follow that. That I don't listen to ass hat. But um, didn't he say that the hurricane was a sham invented by uh, liberals? I don't know about that. I this is I, what I, I heard. About that. I mean, I would, I would, I would suffice. This is to a Twitter say, thing that I, I would heard. guess that Rush Limbaugh from listening to. Because honestly, like Rush Limbaugh kind of bores me, but like I do listen to some of the other talk radio because you can't avoid it. Yeah. Especially here in Nashville. Well, he's just, he's such a horrible, wretched human but being. But I would say he doesn't believe in climate change in any. In and any. all of the, the, the whole like, you know, all these people that are sort of anti establishment just make these people feel, they make them feel stupid. So Rush kind of gives them that like, well, what about this? And he just, he just like, he just elevates that hate. And, um, I, I remember, I remember listening to him one time, uh, man, this was like probably early, like late nineties, early two thousands. And he comes on and he says, uh, he says something like, well, we're going to run a best of while I'm out of town. Like, well, actually it's all a best of, but you know, it's just like, this. so, so, <laughs> So yeah, just, he's that so, guy. so snobbish, you know, and just like uh, everything is quality, quality all the time. Yes, I he, I heard him one time. I know very little about him other than all of the like terrible stuff that he does. And he was on Jay Leno, and trying to tell Jay Leno about the car industry, which is like, don't. <laughs> Don't even go there. The guy has the nicest private collection I've ever seen. But the guy knows everything about yeah. cars and motorcycles. He's got a museum to I cars. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, of course, Rush Limbaugh goes on there with his little, like, well, these liberals are destroying our industry. And it was, he totally just destroyed him within seconds. So, anyway, um, enough about that. Let's, well, I, um, I could address the hurricane thing, I think. Okay, please. That there are people out there that do believe that the hurricane was uh, engineered by, what is it, HARP? Yes. Uh, like I've the, not the heard The weather this. modification. Yeah, there were a lot of people talking about that. I was down in Atlanta when uh, Harvey was rolling through or had just rolled through, and they were talking about how uh, – one of the local radio stations and this, this girl seemed like that was on. She seemed like she was kind of like uh big into conspiracy stuff. It was actually interesting to kind of hear that on a main stream radio station, albeit like on a Sunday though, when nobody's really listening, but people were talking about how the hurricane was, if not made, then it was guided to hit, to hit Houston and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you you get that you get that a lot. Anytime that there's like all these hurricanes, and this happens from time to time. It know, does. Like but 2004, we, we had a lot of hurricanes. Yeah, but we had four. We had four in a row, down. and Irma was the biggest recorded ever in the mm-hmm. Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it does happen, but not to this severity. 
I, it, I haven't. It, I had not heard about the weather manipulation. It probably Mark, really in general. Have you never heard of that? Not really. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's something. It's something that's out there in the conspiracy theory world. And it's been out there for a long time. People I'm not really in that world, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Harp is this. It's H A H A A R P. I don't remember what exactly it stands for, but it's like this array of satellite dishes that is in Alaska somewhere. And I don't know what exactly it's really used for, but cons- the conspiracy theorists out there that say that that's used for weather modification. And usually it's used for weather modification on our own country for some odd reason. Why you wouldn't do it to Russia or so, somebody else doesn't make much sense. It's the no. this it's high sorry. altitude something. It's a high frequency active mm-hmm. auroral research program. Mm-hmm. And it's an ionospheric research program jointly funded by the US Air Force, Navy, University of Alaska Fairbanks and Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency DARPA. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, DARPA's another. And this is this is a real thing. It, it, it was established in 1993 and it, it's I don't know what it, it's uh, its purpose is to analyze the ionosphere and investigate potential developing ionospheric enhancement technology for radio communications and surveillance. Um, or so they say. Or so they say. But there's the, the, the big thing that um, in the conspiracy theory world is that it's a, a weather modification program similar, uh, similar to like cloud busting or cloud seeding, that kind of thing, where you right. can influence weather, existing weather patterns and you use them to your advantage kind of a thing. Right. Which, if that kind of thing is possible, that would be, you know, I mean, worth researching. I'm sure our government has looked into it, whether or not that's and it's, it's what con- HARP is. I don't know. It, it's apparently controlled by the Illuminati to destroy America. <laughs> that's what well, I mean. That's is that, an actual wait, are thing. Are you reading? Are you, like, making this up? Or are no, you joking people around? Believe, people believe this. See, I don't I, know I'm, if I'm, he's... I'm, quasi, <laughs> I'm quasi-joking, but people do believe that. That's a real you thing know, that people believe. The thing believe. is, is like weather modification and stuff has been talked about in some military. Uh, well, that's what, that's what, that's and what I'm saying. Like it, that. it would there, be a powerful advantage, and we have it. done we have done cloud seeding programs and other things like that to mm-hmm. to enhance things that are already there and, cause and cloud extra, busting, cloud extra rains, rainfall in certain areas or things like that. We don't we forget do that Wilhelm kind of Reich. Yeah, but, well, that's that would make if you. I mean, the theory is though, if you could trigger like. Uh, seismic activity like earthquakes or tsunamis in like strategic areas where there's already a potential for that using satellites and radio frequencies. Yeah. I think that that's totally possible actually. Right. Yeah, and, 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 and if it's possible, then the government's definitely looking into it. And if they're I, not saying that that's what hurricane Irma was, but right. I mean, how, I mean, you could take, if you, not knowing the total mechanics of it, you could take that frequency and influence those okay. kinds of things. Well, here, here's a question for you. All right. So, <laughs> just from you, knowing amps, I, I mean, that's totally true. How is it that you take a string and all of a sudden make it so loud that a stadium full of people can hear it? I mean, you know, you're doing the same thing, basically. Here's um, a question for you uh, something to think about. I'm not saying that I necessarily believe it, but something to think about. If you have this weather modification conspiracy theory, and this is generally a conspiracy theory that is on the right of the political spectrum, what about the whole idea that, what about climate change being almost like a conspiracy theory on the left of the, of the political spectrum? 
Uh, okay. In here, other words, like wait, we're, we're saying that, that the hurricane we're saying that the hurricanes are caused by weather modification, and then on the left hand side of the aisle, you have people that are saying climate change is causing all these hurricanes. Here, here's what I don't understand about that argument because I don't understand what the left has to gain by saying that people are damaging the environment. Other than to get people elected to, yeah. to change that, I don't see what the agenda could possibly be. Right, and that's a good point because you could you could also say that on the other side of the, of the other side about the weather modification. What's the agenda there? Why do that? Yeah, what's the motive? Yeah. Well, military advancement, I would say. Right, but as as far as like oh, um, the whole climate change is just it's it's. Uh, it's fake. It's just you know, it's a, it's a, a left wing agenda thing. But I don't understand what the agenda is mm-hmm. that people claim there. Right. Well, people would say that you know, if you look at it now, this is just this is just like using the climate change or global warming as a way to justify a lesser population or what is it the um, oh man what the like paying you pay something to the carbon tax, that kind of thing. Hmm. That's the that's the that's the justification of using it as a as almost like a left wing conspiracy to say that like okay, climate change is real, and I, and I personally think it's real. I'm just playing devil's advocate for a second. Whether or not that is something that you would use on the left-hand side of the aisle to say, okay, give us a carbon, give us a carbon tax. Uh, and then you got the whole agenda 21 about population control. Okay. Well, a, lo- a lot of, a lo- there's a lot of that out there too. Here's the thing. The world is a system. I mean, it is, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a very, very complex chemical system. If we come along and mess that system up, <laughs> there's going to be some consequences. Yeah, I mean, whether they're as dire as people predict or not, I don't know because I'm not a scientist. But scientists seem to think it is. So. I do, I just think it's interesting. I will say this about the whole hurricane thing. I think it's interesting that you have because, like I said before, 2004. I remember there was a whole bunch of hurricanes, and the 2005 we had um, Hurricane Katrina, and then after that things kind of died down, and then now this year we've got all a bunch of hurricanes again back to back. So is there like a cycle here? Because if it was like a climate change thing, we, we should be seeing it amping up year after year after year. Well, but we're not. It's like it. But it's like dips and troughs. But if you. But if over time you're still. It is seeing, amping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is amping. You're still going to have quiet times and things are getting hotter and hotter. And uh, well, as it, I, he was a uh, a cruise line captain that I happen to know just. Oddly enough, <laughs> he uh, he talked about this, and he was like, it, "It's not re- it's it's something to fear, but it's it's a change. It's not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't think of it as Armageddon, but it's a change." So I like his thought of it. We should change towards it. Let actually, me ask you a question: that you are in the conspiracy world, you monitor it daily, I guess. How? Which side has more conspiracy theories? Would that be the conservative side or the liberal side? That is a really good question. And Give me a percentage. I, I would okay. <laughs> I would have to say that it's probably seventy percent 
on the conservative side and 30% on the liberal side. Whether those percentages I just gave you mean anything, I don't really know. But that's just how I kind of perceive it. Hmm. I think we still have we still have the conservative people on the conservative side or on the right wing or have much more conspiracy theories than than left wing. Now there are left wing conspiracies. Interesting. There's a lot of them. I mean, uh, one of them I can remember being uh well let's take it in like from the maybe the more liberal side or like, you know, two of which I can think of are like mainly in the African American community. It's two of them. Uh one would have been Church's chicken putting uh, things in their food to sterilize black people, and the second one would I've never be heard that. yeah, that's a real that was a real conspiracy theory, and there's been variations of that through the years. The second one would probably be also remember Katrina since we're talking about hurricanes, the Ku Klux Klan blowing up the levees and George Bush allowing them to do it. Mm. Uh, that would be an example of I think more of the left wing side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um. I think we're seeing a lot of, especially now with Trump in office, we're seeing a lot more coming out from the from the left than we are the right. But the right is still, I think, still has the uh, monopoly on consp- on weird, off the wall conspiracy theories. If th- that's just my opinion, do you think that uh, do you think that religion sort of influences that more? Oh yeah, for sure. Interesting. For sure. Absolutely. Well, I'd venture to say that like most of the nine eleven stuff, that's pretty left wing, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yes, yes and no. Um it's uh, to me it started out as maybe like a probably it's like maybe a neutral thing. It's just like we're trying to find the truth. And it kind of did start but in some ways maybe on the left side of the aisle, but there were a lot of conservative groups that began to adopt it. Um, especially later on when, when Bush was in office, it was more of a, I guess maybe middle of the road, leaning left kind of conspiracy theory. And then once Obama came into office, it became much more of a right conspiracy. theory. <laughs> So, so these the, things, the opposite of whoever these, was in office. Yeah, th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> these these things right. shift over time with the political winds. I think um, that's the problem, and it shouldn't be that way, in my opinion. I think these things should be neutral, like a lot of what we talked about with uh, Ken Thomas on that show. You know, a lot of the, um, like the Clinton conspiracy stuff. Well, actually, let me use this as an example. Let me rectify this mistake that I apparently made two shows ago, which what, I remember uh, saying give, about it. Bring Bur- me up birther- to speed. Birtherism. Obama was born in Kenya. Uh huh. That's that kind of stuff. That actually started in the Hillary Clinton campaign. Okay. That was a Hillary Clinton. Um, what would you say? He was working for the Hillary Clinton campaign in Pennsylvania, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he actually started that as a way to say because Obama and Hillary were running against each other for the on the Democrat side, 
he actually started that as a way to kind of like bring Obama down and make him and make Hillary Clinton seem better because like, well, he's not even a American citizen. Mm-hmm. So that started in that camp. And once Obama, the main general election came around and then Obama became in office, the birtherism started to go into the right wing because that's where the political, obviously that's where the that's political where the put it. Yeah. yeah, that's where the advantage is. Well, I and mean, like that's Ken just said, them grasping at straws, just trying to find anything to mm-hmm. knock yeah. it down. I mean, mm-hmm. that's... I, it would seem to me that most conspiracy theories, and correct me if I'm wrong, is basically someone inventing a story to slander the other side. There's a lot it of political game to it. But it can also be, uh, it, there also could be real, it could, a lot al- of it, it could and also a, be real justifiable things. Yeah, that, and a lot of it comes from the general population. And if you look at the way our government is supposed to be set up, there's, it's the whole checks and balances system where the general population, us, we're the last check on, you know, the whole upper branches, basically. If we don't keep an eye on them, if we don't, like, look for things that are kind of fishy and out there and at least try to bring it to light, right? then we're not doing our job either. Well, I, I, this kind of gets into my whole thing with it. I, I always hear these, like, gun nuts always say, well, we're going to we're going to take it back if they ever, you're not going to do any of that. If the government wants you dead, you're going to be dead. You are, there's no defense that you have. The government well, is going to take you down. So by all means, you know, stock right. up on all your guns, but you're not that, going to fight the government. That's true. And it's gotten to that point, but I think we out, we overvote, we voted for Hillary Clinton. Rob, she Rob. won. Yeah, we don't want any updates starting while we're no, recording no, thank you, a Windows. podcast. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Thank right. you. Thank you, Microsoft. <laughs> we voted for Hillary. She won the vote. We still did not get her, okay? Right. There you is know, no keeping the government in check. This, <laughs> There's none of that happening. Yeah, but we have the Electoral College, for better or for worse. Right. So I mean, they, just, that's, 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 yeah. like, that's our system. My, my so favorite, that landowners had more of a say. This is, this is off, off topic a little bit. Have you seen the, um, is the, he's the former president of Mexico. I can't think of his name. But he, he, Fox. He, he's releasing these videos, these rants about Trump, mm. and he always calls him the president of the Electoral College of America instead of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we if if we had if we had a popular vote system, which honestly, in my mind, why we don't? It's uh, that would be democratic. Yeah, why we don't? Whenever every other, you know, democracy in our representative republic, because people will say, "Well, we're not a democracy. We're a represent." Yeah. Right, I know. Uh, but yeah, well, every other re- republic has a has it where you know winner takes all, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of them are proportional, but that's more for people that are on the. Well, I don't want to get back. Level. I want to get back to my original point. So, do you think it's do you think it's not important to keep an eye on the government because it's futile, or I if they don't want you to know something, you're not going to know it. I mean. It's my whole thing yeah. is look at look at Bob Corker. I hate that guy. He is horrible. He is the worst. <laughs> Yet there is nothing I can do about it. He keeps getting reelected. Uh, if you look at his track record, he's just awful. He's terrible. He is all about the Republican agenda and trying to take control of the government. But 
you know, I keep voting against him and he keeps coming back. Look at Mitch McConnell. That guy is, I mean, he's a joke. But nobody ever has anybody up against him in Kentucky that can beat him. The only thing he cares about is getting reelected, getting reelected. And he has no, I don't know if you guys uh, read the first proposal that they had to replace Obamacare. Oh. But it was absolutely, uh, it was so bad that uh, even people in their party were like, we can't even sign off on this. I mean, come on, man. And we we stand to make a ton of money off of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah, keep an eye on them. But there's really, I mean, when you have the system that we have, you're kind of, yeah, it's evolved to a place where we're pretty powerless. But I don't. Yes. I can't be apathetic at the same time because then I feel like I don't mean be apathetic. But it, this whole like, well, I'm getting my guns and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight the government. You, no, you're not. No, I. That's not I, gonna happen. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. If you want to do something, but, start yeah. lobbying and get elected, and then you can change it. Even though your hands will be tied. Yeah. Run for school board. Yeah, run for school board. Uh, one of my friends ran for school board <laughs> and lost. <laughs> And it's the same. Our schools, the schools in my district, I know I rant and rave about this all the time. The schools in my district are one and twos, and they're rated on a one to ten scale. So that tells you how bad they are. Mm-hmm. They, this guy wanted to come in and change everything. And it, I mean, he couldn't do any worse there at one. But yet, the same old guy got reelected. We're back. The schools have not improved. And if you're in Tennessee, lot. vote Chad Ryden. Uh, I don't know him. Chad? Oh, oh, oh. Chad from for yeah. what? Flashback to the leisure. He's been hour running here. for senator for years. Oh, right. Well, let me, oh, well, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll say I'll say this about the power of Sorry, the, I had of, a moment. I was like, that wasn't registering. I'll, I'll He's not a, on the ballot. I'll give another example about uh conspiracy theories and like the relationship to politics and how it can be used. Um the Tea Party movement. Nah. <laughs> that well, look, that started, okay, that kind of, st- that stayed on the right wing of the political spectrum, but it was originally started as part of the Ron Paul movement back in 2008, maybe in a, l- a little earlier than that. Once Obama was elected. It was, it was just that, an anti-Obama that, thing. Well, it didn't start that way though. It one, didn't? One, no, it didn't. Once, once Obama was elected, it did get co-opted by the mainstream Republican party. Right, and that's but, where that's where you began to see this marriage of the really extreme of people that were really extreme on the conspiracy theory side and the mainstream Republican Party. You began to see the marriage there, and that's what eventually led up to you know where we're at now, with Donald Trump. Yeah, that's in my opinion. Well, but so so these things can be co opted and can be used by. A political party. On the other side, we now have these groups like Antifa, and that can also that could also be co-opted at a certain point by the Democrats. I think hmm. we'll have to wait and see on that. But that's that's a movement that is burgeoning and could could happen. So I, I think these things definitely happen where you have this grassroots movement that says. Uh, we need, like what Rob is saying, we need to keep the powers that be in check, but eventually become co-opted by the very same powers that be. Well, I, see, I have a different view of the... Uh, this sounds like I'm really hating on the cons- the 
right. I'm not. I don't hate anybody. Uh, the the as Bill Maher <laughs> says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. The guy's a horrible, like pill popping. Isn't he a pervert too? I mean, come on. What, what are we doing? <laughs> I could just see the emails getting written right now. Just angry. Send typing. them to Robberino. <laughs> yeah. right. I will um, read them on air. I, I, well, that's a, I just don't get it. I don't understand how you say, it. oh, I'm a Christian and all that. And then yet you're so, you back these awful people that don't do anything good for society. I don't get that either. But whatever. I don't get that either. It's, uh, it is, it's weird to me how they just eat their words whenever it comes to, well, he's a, he wears a suit and he's a, he's a God-fearing man. <laughs> and it's like, he just murdered somebody, but they're like, well, he's yeah. repented. We're good. So right. anyway, the, as Bill Maher says with the tea party in regards to the tea party, they put on their Sunday best and they marched right down to Washington and they said to everybody, Hey, we're anti-Obama. And they really didn't have any, they tried to say that it was, oh, well, we're a this kind of party, and we don't want to be taxed to death and all that kind of stuff, which they weren't. They had nothing to stand on. There wasn't really any truth to what they were saying, but they went down to Washington, and they did just what I'm talking about. They got elected. They were like, we're God-fearing Americans, and we're here to help you out, and we don't like this. We don't like this black guy that's gotten into office and all that kind of stuff. And everybody loved that, and they ate it up. And then they started listening to their stupid policies, which they claimed were all economic, and they had nothing to stand on. And so then everybody started going, okay, well, never mind. We're not going to do this because you have nothing. And so... There basically was the deal with the Tea Party. And that's why they're so unvital now. If I think if Black Lives Matter did something like this, where, you know, they put on their Sunday best and went down and started getting people elected and all that kind of stuff, they would probably be a pretty vital party. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm going to you know, with, uh, I was using the uh, example of Antifa, but Black Lives Matter might be an even better example of what I'm saying. Like, I think that that will eventually be, that will be co-opted by the Democratic Party, the mainstream political party, if, to, but they are, to try to very get in, Trump out of office. They're, they're, being, um, they're being very separate, though, because I think the last rally they had in town, they said no white people. Right, and I mean, you're that's not going to really, get any that is really gonna, if you do yeah, that. That's really going to turn a lot of people off. Yeah, well, and that's that's what I was saying. Like, that's ex- I mean, to me, that's extreme. Got to play the game, there bro. There was extremism like, too. Like, yeah, like six or eight months ago, there was this whole thing. Like, we talked about it on a podcast, and Alyssa got upset and stormed out. But uh, there was this. It was like a um, an ad that ran on. MTV live yes, streaming or something, the yes. whole like, okay, white people, blah, 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 okay, white yeah, guys. It was, like extreme, it was extremely like, condescending. Yeah, and it's like, well, some right. of us really do care, and we are trying, and we do, like, we are on your side, but don't exclude us from trying to help you. That's see, not helping the situation at See, all. I, think, I think my point is about any of this, any of this stuff with the, with, with, uh, with the politics on either the right or the left. 
is either one tries to just satisfy their agenda and what they think should happen. Yeah, it's power grabs. It's power grabs. And it has really nothing to do with freedom or and, democracy or and like anything. You said, but money, it's just money will absorb those groups and turn them to their cause. Exactly. Exactly. I mean look at okay, look at political correctness. I mean how in many ways, how restrictive that is to where you don't even know what you're supposed to even say anymore. Okay. And then on the op, I, I think, I think on the exact opposite end of that, you have, you have these really right wing extreme people that are willing to say that are, that are willing to say, well, you know, this group can't, can't vote or this group can't do, you know, we, we, we deal with these two opposite extremes and the, this real polarization is what's going to really, in my opinion, is going to bring, would bring this country down at a certain point, you know, to where, you know, I think now that with Trump in office, I think you've seen the last gasp, honestly, of the right wing and the left wing is going to start getting even more extreme probably and so, that yeah. scares me it scares me that scares me too any extremism is right exactly scary because yeah, no one is focusing on any kind of mission statement what we need for the future it's all about how we're going to get back in power how we're going to get mm-hmm. back in power how we're and, and these 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 fake platforms back and forth on either side exactly swing the election and it's because one needs to be on top of the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, we were we were going to talk some about World War II. Well, you know, I'll bring this up. You know, what did you have in in World War II? And before World War II, when you had the Nazis on one side and you had the Soviets on the other, you had two very extreme political positions that just started fighting each other. I mean, that's what happened. I mean, the communists were really no different in in action or well, our technique than 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 the fascists. Now that you could reduce it down, because it's very interesting how Hitler came to power. I mean, he basically staged a uh, terrorist attack. And was like, well, I'll, I'll keep you safe. Which, uh, m- by the way, that's what Putin did. That's exactly what Putin did. And Are you talking um, about the Moscow theater. There's that, and he. Well, later on, they were like, well, we should have an election. And he's like, what do you mean? You can't even feed yourselves. I'm here for you. And yeah. so it was like, oh, okay, all right, let's keep you in office for a little bit longer. And so he's just gonna keep being a dictator. There, there's never gonna be any change there. But um, you know, the Russians love it. I mean, they. Sorry, they. The Russians really just respect power and strength, and that's kind of their issue and their problem. We're not going to solve that for them. Yes, but he is. He is a bad dude, and <laughs> he is. Uh, no, he's definitely not an angel. Yeah, but I, I don't see that as our problem, though, either. Well, actually. There is a thing that we have a lot of sanctions against Russia about their oil reserves. And we sort of regulate how he uses those reserves. Well, our awesome president, Trump, (laughs) comes in and is like, no, I'm going to lift a few of those. 
if he lifts a few of those, he's going to make Putin the richest man in the world. So think about that. A guy that's, he's murderer, he's, he's a thug, he will do whatever. Give him a whole bunch of money. What do you think you got then? I mean, you think we're going to be able to beat him with, like, missiles and stuff? No way. He's going to be the power. So Oliver Stone. This is why I keep, Oliver Stone loves him. Yeah, well, <laughs> but this is, people keep going, oh, no, 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 we should be friends with them. This is cool. And it's like, no, you need to keep him at a serious arm's length and you need to keep him way under thumb. So that's all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, I see what you're saying, but it, it is, it's, it's a touchy. They, uh, I always equate it to, you've got the tube trade over at, um, Sorry, my cigar fell down. This is an emergency. Um, you've got the tube trade over in Russia, and uh, the mob was, like, shaking them down. We were having problems getting vacuum tubes. Well, they go to Putin. They say, hey, you know, these guys are bugging us, blah, blah, blah. And Putin's like, oh, well, you're vital to our economy. I'm going to get them off your back. He instantly gets them off, his, off their back. Well, they love Putin. They're just like, oh, he's the greatest. Of course. But... It's Putin. It's not <laughs> good that he gets more and more power. And I, I cannot express this to people. His gangster mentality is going to, in the end, it's not going to be good. So I okay, I, I see what you're saying, but like Russia. We, okay, go. Well, let's go back to the Cold Wars. You know, decades ago. Yes. Uh, Russia has been in a power grab and we have been also in a power grab and we haven't always tended to be the, the, the least bully person on the field. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Either. So, I mean, you know, we, but we, we don't have a dictator. <laughs> no, we've got a shitty choice between the same thing and the same thing and this or, yeah, I mean, but of many people, uh, I, I sure. will, I will play devil's advocate on the Russia because I like to do that. By the way, I Did love you want Russia. To finish your don't get on me that? wrong; I have many Russian friends, and I love them to death. I just don't like Putin. So that's understandable. Well, there's don't people, like Trump over there. There's people in Russia that don't like. <laughs> don't, don't blame like them. Right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> there's there's people in Russia that don't like. They're not Port, stupid. Don't, don't like that. <laughs> you know, I say the Russians as a whole respect strength. Yeah, I, I, and I agree. And, you know, they know how things get done. I am conflicted on a lot of that because I don't like Putin either. I think that, yeah, he's a thug. He is a dictator. But I can kind of understand a little bit of where he and Russia as a whole are coming from. Because as Rob pointed out, when the Cold War ended, they were told a certain, they were given certain guarantees. Mm -hmm. Okay. When the Soviet Union was still around, when Germany reunified, they were given certain guarantees that NATO is not going to expand East other than East Germany. Which was obviously okay. That's a given. With Poland, 
your favorite country, Jeff, Czechoslovakia. Mm. Uh, Love those Czechs. They were not Czech Republic. Czech Republic. Well, still at that time, Czechoslovakia. But they hadn't split up yet. But they were given those guarantees that, you know, those countries are not going to become part of NATO. Well, the Soviet Union falls, Warsaw Pact falls. Uh, Russia sees itself as the, in, in so many ways, rightly so, the successor of the Soviet Union. And gradually over time, late 90s into the 2000s, around into 2007, all those countries that used to be Warsaw Pact basically became part of NATO. And also the Baltic states, which had been part of the Soviet Union, became part of NATO. So literally right up to Russia's doorstep. When Ukraine and everything that happened over there occurred back in 2013, 2014, that I think was where the line got drawn finally for for Putin and for and for Russia and saying, no, we're not going to... Ukraine is in our sphere of influence. You can't have the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was making overtures towards the European Union, but also with an eye to possibly joining or having some kind of partnership with NATO. That was just too much. That was a line in the sand. And the Russians did what, whatever they did there, sending in troops or whatever. And I believe that there are troops there, Russian troops in Ukraine. But I, I, I look at it as just in a historical point of view, as if you think about where we have for a hundred in over 150 years had our own backyard, which is Latin America. And we've said at a certain point, okay, the rest of the world hands off. This is America's sphere of influence. I think Russia is the same way. They want to have their sphere of influence, which is Ukraine, Central Asian states, ah, I don't all, know all, all, of, all of that. So who are we to tell them that you can't do this? That's what, what you, drives me crazy. What you got to understand, though, is when, when Russia fell— or, I'm sorry, when Soviet Union fell. <laughs> this is why I should not do this. People should not ask my opinion. <laughs> when the, it's okay. There, when there, are, the still, rainbow there came, are still people that say that, that, that when, will say, them Soviets. When Soviet Russia fell and all that happened, their economy was in the toilet. There were people starving. And, I mean, yeah. they were desperate. It, things are, you know... They are trying to get it. That's he's KGB. He's trying to get it all back. He's trying to get it all the way back to you know Soviet Russia the way it was, and the the poor people. I mean, my gosh, they're just like, yeah, it, it wasn't that bad. Whenever you know, we had a lot of forced laws, but our yeah, pe- but- our, our people are also suffering economically, and we also have a president that is promising to bring things back. Mm-hmm. Is also doing the same. Real similar tactics, though. That's that's my point. Like, but do you think has he actually ever said like what that is to bring it back? Like, what are we bringing it back to? Oh, oh, well, okay, I can answer that actually. Um, let's go back to say 1950s, 1960s. Yeah, I think I know you where had, you're going to. You had the... rural America, which makes up um, 
a huge portion of the country, but a small portion of the voting population. Right. All right. So 50, 60 years ago, you had, you had uh, well, the coal industry is the biggest example, but you had all these industries, farming industry, the, you know, all these blue-collar things all across America where a person could go out and they could work hard and they could provide for a family and they could buy a home and they could do all these great things. Not all of them. But, but the, the opportunity was out there. And it was, you know, it for was, white America. For white Americans, sure. Yes. Yeah. But that, that potential was there, and it was, you know, that's what, that's what our grandparents grew up in. That's the era that, they, that right. they, they saw. And it was like, it was all a work hard, get rewarded system, which makes sense. And I wish, like, I, I, I do wish that that was still true today, but it's not. And it's not going to come back. But he stood on a platform and said, you know, I'm going to bring this back to you. I'm going to reopen the coal factories. I'm going to... Uh, Which is ridiculous. Oh, well, totally ridiculous. Totally untrue. There's, there, but there was, there was so many, there's so many people out there, some, the, the, a big portion of the voting population that was just like, they remember their childhood. They remember thinking, if you work hard, you're going to succeed. And if we could make it true again, that's worth everything. That's worth absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you know, like people try to tie the racism thing into it. That's not what. That's not why people voted for him. That's not why this happened. It's a lot of people voted for him because he is saying things that really align with the separatist movement. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, the stuff that he said, make it a great again, like it was in the '50s when, basically, before civil rights. There, I mean. <laughs> Come on. He is like, he's almost saying what, without saying, oh, I don't like black people. He's basically saying that. He also has, in my opinion, a viewpoint of, or he really just wants to put America first in all things. Like our interest is going to be dominant over someone, over someone else's interest. Like some of the things that he has said about, about NATO and having the, you know, constituent parts of NATO kind of pay their fair share and do what they need to do, like in the military alliance that, you know, is overly dependent on the United States for just about everything. Uh, but what I, I, what, I, there's almost, there is this almost isolationist, but yet, well, you know, if something happens like North Korea, for instance, and it's, uh, it, 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 it conflicts with our interests, then we need to go do something about it. He does have that point of view. Wait, too. and I, I want to go back to, I don't want to leave this at all. <laughs> the deal with the fifties is that technologically speaking, yeah, we were in a good spot. That is not here anymore. I get that. We, if you want to work in a factory, you better know robotics. You better know how to build websites and do all kinds of cyber technology. I get all of that. All I, I'm not talking. I'm not saying that he was right. I'm talking mm-hmm. about his platform mm-hmm. and how, why why it too, appealed. Yeah. I'm saying it to everybody. Why that ap- is a stupid thing to think. Why it appealed to to blue counties of America. Well, red counties. Red counties of America. That's what I said. Because well, <laughs> they are. They're. I mean, I hate to say it, but they're the most misinformed. I mean, the- they're the most hopeful too. The coal the mining ones. industry was basically, I mean, this is nothing against them at all, but they were hard workers that you didn't really have to have a skill. You just had to be able to go down and mine coal. We and to do it. Right. you made a lot of money doing that because you risked your life. 
And that is not a viable resource anymore. I'm, right. I'm sorry, it's just not. Well, and the just like the, the, the jobs the argument, of the '50s. The argument against that is that um, it was destroyed by um, regulations. No the regulations destroy. I, I and I agree, but that's the argument against it is that that's what destroyed. Well, it. that's asinine because <laughs> that is uh, the. There's a fantastic documentary that I can't remember the name of that tells you all about how reg, how lifting regulations and how Gal, Alan Greenspan said, "I don't believe in it." That's how what got us to 2008. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. So I mean. I don't know how to explain to people that they're they're trying to hold on to the past and it's, it's, it's not good. Pains. It's growing pains is what mm-hmm. it is. And we're yeah. going to suffer and change, change is not well, easy. Well, that's part of the reason why I said that this is kind of like the last gasp of that of the the right-wing mentality. Well, yeah. This is the chance that they Thank God. this is the only chance that they have, I think. Like like Trump is almost like looking looking backwards and not necessarily looking forwards. Oh, very However, much so. Do the right wing, the left wing, do they have, do they have the answer? I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know either, but I, I but I don't. Is have it going to make them much more extremist, and then we're going to end up with some kind of? But I also don't have faith in the Green Party or the Libertarians. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I only have faith in Elon Musk. Yes. He will fix he will everything. Say, Elon, I would vote for Elon him. Musk. Yeah, will, oh Elon God, Musk I would will too. save us <laughs> Let all. Let us follow Jeff. you. Let's start the campaign he'll, right here, wait, right I, now. He'll save us all. Still from Elon Musk, all to Mars. Elon Musk for president 2020. We're starting it right here. Here's what I don't get about the whole... President when you started <laughs> off with the whole Trump thing is... And I'll ask any Trump supporter this, too. What... It, he keeps going, make it great again. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to do this, this, and this. What are you going to do? He has... I've never heard one plan. Never. Not once. Because That's he doesn't point. have one. That's my point. I'm not. I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to say that he had a good platform. I'm trying to. It explain, was a slogan. I'm just trying to explain why so many people voted for him because there was this exactly. desperation in rural America that was so bad yes. that he hit upon it at the right point. Yes, the I don't right think point that at the right time. I don't think that. I think that. I mean, they, you grew up in a small town just like I did. Yeah. When I go home to visit, it's it's a ghost town. Half the businesses are closed down. Everything is like everyone's barely scraping by. It's just mm-hmm. I don't think that at all, man. I'm I've got it. I think it's because he's a black man in the White House. If you go in that small town that I go back to, what do you think they call him? It ain't good. It is. I I think that most all of this comes into well, he ain't like us, and Trump's more like us. So. I think all of this stuff stems from because Bush ruined all of it. Man, it was a ghost town in the little where I'm from, West Tennessee. It was a ghost town way before when Bush came in. I mean, that place was just it was horrible. But they loved Bush. It all stems from this whole like, well, we don't want a black guy in the White House. That's where all this is coming back to. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's like there's no, he has, there's no answer. It's just, well, right, he's a white but, guy, but, but, so I'm on his side. Right, but there wasn't a black guy running against him. There was Hillary or there was Bernie on the, the Democrat well, side. And he won over them because people want to remember back when you could simply work hard and that was enough to provide for your family. Still, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying there's not a race, there's not the racist, like, 
there, there could be. I mean, I'm sure that there is mm. that percentage too. But the, I think uh, the only people that I ever hear speak out about it are always the racist ones. That's the only thing that I ever hear. There are still people on on the Facebooks that at this point that, I think that's that, the sole constituency that that, are, yeah. that that blame Obama for stuff even now, and the man's been out of office now for months. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's let's all see, of that. Let's see Obama behind every everything, you know, and. The other, the other big bugaboo now is uh, George Soros. That's another one that I hear about all the time. Uh, you know, if there's and there's things about Soros that uh, hey, I definitely don't like, but you could say like yeah, he, what he is is a Coke or the Coke brothers of the of the liberal side. Okay, um, so yeah, well, we we definitely have that. We definitely have that mm-hmm. issue. As well, where we have the really rich industrialists are quote unquote philanthropists that are getting involved with politics and putting their interests above the interests of everybody else and that's 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 the part of it that you know like what we were talking about with Ken Thomas where it's really it's really not a um a black and white issue it's not a right and left issue it's really a rich poor issue. That's really what's going on. Mm. Underneath it all, for opinion. sure. Underneath it all, it's yeah. it's 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 a class struggle. So everything let, else, let's everything empower else, me and my buddies. Right. Everything else is just a, a and that's how it's been. Potemkin for, Village. Yeah, that's how it's been for president after president after president mm-hmm. for my lifetime. I think since at least Carter. I think there's something to what Jeff is saying about the racism issue as far as Obama. Because you would hear things that, you know, the Muslim thing, Obama is a secret Muslim, or his wife is a transvestite, and all this kind of stuff. And, I haven't heard that one. And, yeah, Michelle's a transvestite. Yeah, Michelle's a transvestite. I just recently heard that Obama was gay, and that uh, the whole Pizzagate thing was for him to get little boys. Yeah, what I've, I just heard. I've, I've heard. No I've, kidding, the guy. I've, I've I've heard that the guy that was building my website started busting that out, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Are I've, you I've heard. I've heard that. I've heard that too. But you would never hear anything that was substantial about Obama, about how you know the drone stuff or the continued wars, the continued uh, the continued backing of the military industrial complex. The fact that Obama was even more harsh, his administration was even more harsh to the whistleblowers than Bush had even been. People like Snowden, okay? And um, what is it? Uh, can it, Chelsea Manning, or now Chelsea Manning, right? These people that were revealing all these, you know, this horrible uh, surveillance system that we have. All this is still, you know, and not necessarily really in many ways the fault of Obama because in so many ways he was just as much of a puppet as Bush or or any or Clinton or anybody mm. that, that preceded him. But, you know, Obama, it, it, like Dinesh D'Souza, the um, conservative commentator, which some of the stuff... I like about him, and there's some stuff that I despise. <clears throat> but you know, he even even he made the point about the uh, surveillance state, and 
the surveillance state, but he, but in his opinion, that was all Obama. You know, no, it had its roots under Bush for sure. It did had its roots under Clinton. Now, wait a minute. He's the one that made that movie that it was, as I've been told, it is the horror movie starring uh, Obama. That's the guy, right? He went to jail. Yes. Yeah, let's for not forget camps, that. For some campaign, <laughs> for some campaign donations. And yes. He, he definitely is one of these that has a uh, persecution complex. See, this is, man, I'm sorry, but... You know the cigar, Rob? When... Yeah. When, uh, yes, get the man a cigar. I'm sorry, but... Boy, have a cigar. You're going to go far. I don't understand how... It, when somebody tells me a conspiracy theory, I always go, so are you a liberal? And then whatever that is, I don't believe them. I'm just like, yeah, if it I, is an anti-Republican thing, I go, oh, are you liberal? I, and like, yeah, and I'm like, I totally don't believe you. You just that, made all that up. The way that I look at conspiracy theories is it's people in power, whoever that may be, whichever side that may be, mm-hmm. um, doing something that is going to be inimical to democracy or what we perceive as democracy. If that makes sense. I got you. You had wanted to talk, Jeff, about... Um, WWII. Well, you you had watched the Oliver Stone documentary. I did. Uh, the first one. <laughs> Untold History of the United States. Yes. The uh, Very interesting, a little premise of it. Essentially, um, uh, the we did not win World War II... Russia actually, I mean, I'm sorry, Soviet Union actually, they, I, well, I keep thinking it because they called it the big Russian the Godless bear. communist. Yeah, the, they actually won World War II. They beat Germany. Mm-hmm. They are the ones. We showed up in the aftermath, basically, and was like, hey, we're going to liberate you. But Russia really made the huge sacrifice. They also did a lot of bad things. But um, especially in the after after the war, yeah. did a horrible, horrible thing. You can ask things. the German soldiers that were POWs after Stalingrad. Oh, what, what was it? There was they couldn't even count how many rapes there were of mm-hmm. the German women, mm-hmm. and um, of course, a lot of them. Uh, they there were so many suicides because of all of the rapes. I mean, it was terrible. But in either case, they did actually win the war. They are the they're the ones that. Put the big. Please. I would. I would. I would. You know. Do tell. I watched that documentary. I watched the entire thing. Hmm. Sorry, trying to light my cigar here. I watched the entire thing, and they were. I thought a lot of it was good. He did a lot of interesting um, things in it especially some of the ties that, you know, that to the Nazis that some people in American finance mm-hmm. had, which I thought was interesting. Now, in that specific case, I'd have to say yes and no. Because... Uh, wh- I'm sorry, which part? 
Well, about the Russians, the Soviets winning the war, which we can use Russians and Soviets interchangeably. Okay. Okay. Um, had it not been for the material that we sent the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. they probably would have lost. Because we supplied, we were the arsenal of democracy, remember? Yeah, but they still, they were on the front lines. They sacrificed mm-hmm. tons of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I can't, I can't remember lost, the numbers. They lost more than anybody else. Right, exactly. I mean, their sacrifice was the biggest of everybody. Um, we lost 400,000 men. There you go. I knew you knew the... Uh, uh, the... British was less, I think, around one million or maybe even two million. But the Russians lost—I don't even know the number. I'd, I could, I'd have to. It's look astronomical. It up. I it, can't it, even it, imagine like that many people. Yeah, it's ext- it, it, it is very astronomical. Mm-hmm. But I'm dubious on that claim because I really think it was everybody working together. Honestly, that well, toppled Nazi Germany. Of course, everybody had a hand in it, but I still, I am, we had more of a squabble with uh, Japan, and people always go, we won the war, and I think what he's trying to state is that we didn't actually win it. We helped, you know, nobody ever, when I was going through school and we ever talked about it, nobody ever discussed Russia. Well, we came in pretty late to the game. Exactly. I mean, we didn't we didn't jump in until we were directly attacked on American soil. Right. And exactly. Then, and then we obliterated the hell out of Japan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then still, fortified though, nobody ever. There's no American history books that go, "Oh yeah," you know. They they hardly even mention Russia and all the stuff that they did. Right. So well, that's my point, though, is yeah. that Russia actually, you know, they were. Uh, 80% of the win. Well, when those books were written, the Cold War was going on. <laughs> and it was like... Yeah, we hate those we, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was the 80s when I was taught that stuff. And it was like, eh. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah, just don't talk about Russia. Right. Hmm. Well, it was seen as... Yeah, I guess in many ways, they they kind of whitewashed that a mm-hmm. little bit. I mean, the things that you get in school are kind of atrocious anyway. Oh, yeah. Like... I mean, you're lucky to get to World War II in a lot of these high school history classes. That's what we got to was World War II. Like we we did really, in college. We didn't really talk about Vietnam or really? any, oh, God, of these, no. any of these other we, we touched wars. On, we touched that, on the Korean War and yeah. Vietnam a little bit, but even Desert Storm when I was in mm-hmm. in high school. But it wasn't like not as much as like, you know, the War of 1812 or the Civil War or War of some, of the, some of the archaic stuff that you can kind of talk about as yeah, it, it's less real because it happened before anyone is from now is still alive kind of thing, you know? I, I think in that documentary I think that Stone tends to idolize people. I mean, he's not an historian. Mm-hmm. The book is actually much better um, I've I've read the book. Um, then because then the actual documentary, it's a little more fair. But uh, you know, 
Did you watch any of the other parts of it where he Not talks really. about Henry Wallace? I fell asleep. Who was the <laughs> Henry, <laughs> Wa- Henry Wallace was the vice president before Truman. FDR in his first two terms had one vice president, and then Henry Wallace was. By the way, FDR, if I may pause you for a second, an avid cigar smoker. And guess who was not a cigar smoker? Mussolini and Hitler. Oh, there you go. They had it. Uh, You know who else was? Uh, Churchill. Churchill. Whom named named the length of these cigars. Also, John F. Kennedy. But go ahead. Sorry. So Wallace was the... Second vice president, and then Truman became vice president under through FDR's short fourth term, where then FDR died. Truman became president, right? And Stone, I think, idolizes Wallace a lot of saying, like, well, things could have been different if Henry Wallace had been president. Mm-hmm. He would have come to some kind of understanding with the Soviet Union, whereas... um Truman really didn't, and but there's no real way to really tell or to know. That's all kind of like counterfactual history. Right. We don't know what Wallace would have done. We don't know what the pressures would have been, um, how he would have dealt with Stalin. There's that assumption in Stone's mind that um, he would have dealt with Stalin the same way that FDR did, which was more of, well, we can share the world with each other. You can have your sphere of influence. We'll, we'll have ours. I mean, it was kind of like already said and done because the Soviet Union occupied Eastern Europe. Well, the, uh, Stalin wasn't a big fan of Churchill and England and all that stuff. Well, I mean, they were. No, that is true. They and, were not. I mean, it's kind of amazing that they got together to defeat Hitler. Well, they had to. Yeah, well, but still, the, the it was... Soviet Union was not Churchill's first, right? First choice. I mean, Churchill even said when uh, the you know the, the Russian Revolution happened and the Bolsheviks took over, he even said we need to strangle Bolshevism in its grave, and that's where you get this kind of like the Allied. This is World War One, or mm-hmm. right after it, the Allied intervention in what would later become the Soviet Union, like we, we were even a part of that. We held some parts of the Far East, and Britain was had some, some of the ports in the north. Uh, but later on, you know, there was no real support for the whites, so they eventually, people were tired of war, so they pulled out. So Churchill had even said that, and now here he is with this idea. But I, I think he had this idea that, okay, the enemy is my, of my enemy is my friend, kind of mentality. Right. Interesting thing about Churchill, because uh, you're familiar, I'm sure, with the Iron Curtain mm-hmm. speech, right? Mm-hmm. Here's something they don't teach you in school. Was late 1944, Churchill flies to Moscow. I'm sure he had a couple of cigars while he was there. And he pulls out a piece of paper and he says, it might have even been a napkin. And he looks at Stalin and he says, okay, Poland, you have 90% interest. We have 
Bulgaria, it's like 50, 60 or something like that. You know, that's more than a hundred. Greece was 90% Britain. And oh yeah, true. Thank you. It's 110%. You know, yeah, it's getting late. 60, 40, 60, 40. There we go. That's what I have you, Rob. Keep me on my toes. Um, I'm the math guy. But Greece says, you know, Britain has 90% influence. Um, you have 10%. Now, these percentages <clears throat> don't really mean much. It just says it's just drawing Eastern the, Europe, you can have it, basically. Drawing the line in the sand. Exactly. Which Churchill was a part of, which then he later went on to. Yes. Yeah. In the Iron Curtain speech, he says, well, you know, this, 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 you know, the Iron Curtain has ascended across the continent and which this is helped, a bad thing, which he helped draw, which he helped set up. Right. Interestingly enough, and they make this point in the, in Oliver Stone's documentary that Stalin actually kept his word in Greece by not really supporting the Greek communists during the Greek civil war. And Yugoslavia did, but Yugoslavia was kind of doing its own thing, which he later they later broke with Stalin. But it's interesting that, you know, here we have, okay, Churchill, the hero, sitting there with Truman in Independence, Missouri, giving this speech. But like Rob said, he helped set the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. That part they don't tell you in history class. So these things are just for whatever gain we have, whatever momentary gain. And the Cold War, the history of the Cold War, the beginning of it is extremely fascinating. Yeah. If you ever if you ever look into it and and not widely taught. It's just said in the history books, well, you know, we were allies with the Soviet Union in 1945 and then by 1947 all of a sudden they were our enemy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at that history, you have to look at what was going on in the United States at the time. We just come out of the war, and what really got us out of the Great Depression? The war. Exactly. Uh, now, the war, now, 1946, the war's over. Men are coming home from the war. They don't know what if they're going to have any jobs. They don't know if the economy is going to contract at all. And these guys that had just fought for democracy or whatever were now going to be out of work. There was a lot of labor strife. Labor unions were really starting to fill their fill their uh, their oats, and people were really concerned. In fact, I saw a Life magazine that was at my parents' house from 1946, this time that they tell you in the documentaries and say, well, America was on top because America was unscathed by the war, which is true. Uh, but there's this article that says, is, has, is America done? Are we, is, is the American dream over? Because there were all these concerns. Well, the next year, 1947, the real beginning of the Cold War, they begin to look around in the Truman administration and, and others, and you know, 
they say, well, we do have an enemy out there that we perceive as an enemy, and that's the Soviet Union. And we can have a permanent war footing, and we can keep everybody employed. We can give jobs to these guys that just came back. But what we got to do is we got to really, and this is even said in a, in a documentary about Truman on PBS, I, one of the staffers that later became Lyndon Johnson's defense secretary um, at the end of his term said that what they had to do was they, what they had to do was go out there and scare the hell out of the American people. That came out of this guy's mouth. Mm-hmm. At first, it was Greece and Turkey, the inroads that supposedly the Soviet Union were making into those two countries. So, and we then had later to on, McCarthy them. comes along with all this. Yeah, that comes that that comes later. But constant war footing, because now we have an enemy. We have somebody. It's it's those communists that are that want to you know destroy our way of life, and uh, especially Stalin. Yeah, you know, Stalin, he wasn't a good guy, much like Putin, like we were discussing. I don't fully agree with you, and I'll tell you why. The, and this is sort of to Rob's point about the, we're going back to the 50s. Whenever you, there's some book published, and I cannot remember the name of it, but it's great. It's all these old how-to books. It's a catalog you get, and uh, it's all these old, like, 1920s 1930s how to be a metal worker how to how to um how to you know build certain things how to it's basically books on how to do a skill and they were what they were doing right before the war they were publishing all these books and they were taking people out of fields and making them welders, metal workers, teaching them all these skills and all that kind of stuff. There was, it was kind of a, and nobody ever talks about this, but right there before the war, there was this like industrial renaissance of all these people. And they became really good at it really fast. Well, during the war, they did these jobs, they got good at it, they came out, and then people were like, well, I'm a welder, I'm a, I'm a builder. I'm a this guy. I have these skills. And then you move into the 60s where they're like, we're going to make everybody engineers because we're going to the moon and we're all this kind of stuff. So I don't think that it's fully that we were. I don't think that it was fully that we were, you know, fighting communists. We were, we had a big renaissance of skilled labor that all of a sudden came to be. Right. But what I think Adam is saying is that we used the fear of an enemy to help propagate that whole thing. Because right. we, we had this whole, we had these resources and we had these people and we had these, um, yeah, I agree. We, we had these industries, but we, we needed a reason to perpetuate them. And, and the, the scary Soviet enemy was the reason that allowed it to keep continuing on. Hmm. And keep constant, rolling. constant war footing. I, I, the, the military industrial complex really kicks into gear Right after World War II. I agree with you, right but I don't the, think right that that was the, the full War, reason. Right when the Cold War starts. I don't think that was the full reason because machines became... I mean, my grandfather started... Right after the war, he started working at Brown Shoe Factory, uh, putting soles on shoes. It was like they didn't have those machines. You know, it, it was... There was just this influx of everything being built all of a sudden, and it was like, okay. Yeah, it, I, I think it, it was... Go on. Well, I, I was going to say it was it, it was a, 
a, a bizarre time. There's a, a lot of shifts that happen all at the same time, and part of it was that's true. Yeah, that's what I mean. There was the um, you know, the shift of like the economy switched to more of a, a two income per family thing. Um, the whole like pre forties fifties dad works mom stays at home thing started to die off. There was a lot of new opportunities in a lot of different industries. The technological advancements, a lot, a lot of that. The, the it, simple things like having a, a washer and dryer or a, a dishwasher at home helped to propagate that whole thing. And it was it was kind of a launching point into into where yeah. we ended up. You know, well, there in, was a lot of synergy, is what I'm saying. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, there, there was along with along with and all I of that. I honestly think that's where Trump's trying to go. I think he's trying to get us into a war because he thinks, in his stupid little mind, that we are going to somehow <laughs> get this crazy, like, oh, we're getting it all back. We're going to industrialize again and be great. I think that Could in be. the back of his mind, he thinks that in his old but old well, mentality. I think, I think that the Bush administration did. A similar thing. Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah. Here, here's here's what here's what I'm saying. Now, what you're what you're talking about is something that is more the people as a whole, the culture as a whole. Right. Okay. I'm talking about the people at the top, the policymakers in Washington. Yeah, no, and I don't disagree with you. The titans of industry and mm-hmm. the fact that we, it, the fact that you know. Aircraft manufacturers like Boeing can keep making their product, right? Because we definitely, if you compare. Pre World War II, where we had like a small standing army, and like maybe our navy was the best. Compare, compare that to post World War II; it's night and day with the with the military yes. and these wars that constantly make money. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, you know Ken Burns has the Vietnam War documentary, and yes. although we lost tons of men. 50,000, over 50,000 men in that war, people still made money from that war. Mm -hmm. And they are still making money from war. Oh, yeah. And that's where we're at. Yeah. The Soviet Union fell. We had the 90s where we weren't too sure what we were going to do. And then all of a sudden, 9-11 happens, and we're back on to say, well, we have... We have an enemy again. Right. And now the Russia thing is coming back. It's all like coming back in a big circle. Mm-hmm. So where I think the origins of the Cold War, and there's some other aspects to it as well, you know, there's the Kenan Long telegram, those, those, type of, those type of things. There were other events that occurred, but indefinitely... Stalin, I'm not letting him off the hook on any of it because there's some ideas that he really was aggressive and he really did want to um, take over Western Europe. There's some, you know, that he was going to start a, there's evidence that he was going to start another purge and that would have led to another war because he was getting ready for it. He also wanted to really industrialize. Mm -hmm. The problem with Russia is it's, it's, a lot of it's uninhabitable. <laughs> yeah. So he, he sent, did industrialize. Well, he, they, but they he did it in like Russia. Siberia, where all these people died. He did, yeah. And you know, and you know, who helped him do that in the 1920s and the 30s? I'm assuming United it was us. States capital. Yeah. And yeah. by I mean capital, I mean money. Right. There were a, there were a lot of 
businessmen and engineers and industrialists that invested heavily in well, the that's Soviet what they Union. do. I mean, there was uh, a lot of them. Um, there was several American companies that invested in Hitler. I mean, that's just like what you do. Halliburton. Exactly. That. What do you think they were doing? Exactly. Ford. So that's just how it works. I mean, Ford was a massive fan of Hitler. Oh yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. So yeah, no. I. I mean, this Not is just that's him. just how it goes. But the fact that he sent them all out to Siberia to you know build factories and all that kind of stuff and wound up just killing millions of people. Um, yeah. Is. I mean, if you really want to think about it, if you really think about it, God, I don't, you know, <laughs> Stalin, I mean, Stalin for a good while was our guy over there. Mm-hmm. And then they said, Oh, well, he's getting a little bit too dangerous. So Nazi Germany gets set up and supported. Yeah, this 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 is kind of the things that 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 has been done where you know, we create these monsters and then they come they come back at us and then the wars just keep going in a in a big circle. Now, on a sidebar, not to not to derail, but was Stalin a staunch um atheist? Well, that's always been a big contention point between us and the Soviets in general. Right, but I can't remember if he was, or not that I remember, I wasn't that old, I but... Think he, I think he was. He was, he yeah, was... he was. He thought that religion was really, because he was so paranoid, he was against... Well, the, the, all whole, the, communists the whole Russian did. philosophy that came up through, like, um... Lenin? I'm trying to think of the author's name. Oh, Marx. No, um... Not Marx? Earlier... Well, Marx did say that religion is the opiate of the masses. That's yeah. what he's... You know, yeah, yeah. That was, that was, that was earlier Russian authors that were very influential. I can't, I can't think of his name. Nietzsche? Uh, no. Uh, that is all I got, Dostoevsky. sir. Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he was very, very influential. Excuse in me. Whole, whole movement. And there was, there was a huge time in the 1800s where um, atheism kind of blossomed in in the whole Soviet Union and influenced a lot of their... Uh, viewpoints thereafter. Well, however, it didn't prevent Stalin when the Great Patriotic War happened, which was when Germany invaded the Soviet Union in 1941. It didn't keep it didn't keep him from, you know, bringing the the uh, Orthodox Church back because he realized that you know the symbol, the power of it to, for the for the Russians. Right. You no, know, he he was definitely a uh, well. That that's exactly what Hitler did too. And and you know, I, a I, pragmatist. I say that a lot though. Like religion is used a lot. Um, just as a uh, it's it's there's a huge influence and a huge power to it, and politicians will will cling to it and use it to their advantage. Now I want to. I'm angling for this too. There is a. I heard this because of uh, Steve Bannon makes documentaries and yes, they're horrible. They are <laughs> my skin crawls with some of the stuff. And guess who he has as one of his main people, main narrators in it. The guy that, uh, who's the main beard on duck dynasty. Uh, who is the guy? He was a football player. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Claims to be he claims to be such a Christian. Um Oh, you talk about the guy, the the old man? The old no, not the not the tea drinking old man, the crazy guy, the funny one. Not Uncle Cy. 
Not Uncle Cy. No. no, this is like the dad, the patriarch of the the younger beers. Dude, I, I hung out with at the uh, Eclipse recently, by the way. Wow, did you? Yeah, me and Uncle You're telling Cy. me he's a horrible American? No, he was funny. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just an old ridiculous man. Well, he has been in <laughs> Steve Bannon um, documentaries. About, I didn't know uh, this. Phil, I think, is his name. Phil. I don't know. I don't care what their names are. Yeah, They're Phil. the father of the family. Yeah, so. yeah. Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, though. Um, he uh, he's in this documentary and he claims that the um that the Nazis they did all of this stuff because they were atheists which is absolutely not true because on the Nazi motorcycle it said God is with us they were not atheists got mit uns got us got us mit us got got mit uns yeah got but us mit. i knew i'd screw but it up but they were uh, okay i would not typify the no, Nazis they certainly weren't like as uh, Christian. That, but they still believed that they had a higher purpose. A divine, yeah. They if, had a divine right. but if, this, if, it came if, from God to Jesus to if, Nazis. If anything, they were like this revival. That's what they thought. That sounded really They were this revi- this really kind of uh messed up revival of Teutonic paganism. Which by the way, I have a guest coming on going to talk about some of this stuff in a couple shows from now. But it, I mean, that's what added meaning to their cause was the fact that they were like, oh, yeah, God is, we are, you know, we were sent here by God to take over everything and, you know, right. supreme race and all that kind of. Right. Yeah. They, they were, def- I would say they were definitely not atheists. I would say, and if you look at Himmler. No, they're not. If you look at Himmler specifically, I mean, th- th- this was, this was harking back to some old paganism. Okay. Some really dark stuff in my opinion and it's all dark man <laughs> the, the, uh, yeah well but yeah the, the whole Gottmit Uns thing yeah for sure i mean and you can go on google and look up the it's an it's actually older than world war Two. it's uh i believe it's uh, i believe the symbol is from it's like ancient german well they, they adopted or, a lot of this stuff the swastika was an ancient pagan symbol for power they adopted okay. that from something else. I mean, well, all the of the SS was, symbol was a rune, an ancient rune. Now, you, tell me, what have was. You guys, have you guys ever read any Kurt Vonnegut? Yes. You ever read Cat's Cradle? No, I have not. Oh, my God. I've read his short stories, though. Cat's Cradle is one of the greatest books ever that talks about this subject, about how the intertwining of religion and politics. Mm-hmm. It's this reporter who goes to this little island country, and he ends up being like the, like the ruler or whatever. But there's like this whole. On this island, there's this ruling power of politicians who oppose this underground religious movement. But the top politician and the top religious guy, they're buddies. And it's, it's this like... Jerry Faldwell and Ronald Reagan. Yeah, they, they work hand in hand. Like the, the, the religious leader gives hope to the people and the politician condemns them sort of. Like once a year, he like, you know, kills somebody publicly or whatever. But yes, that's probably as deep as it goes. But... It's it's this this power play back and forth between the politicians and this religious faction on this little country, and phenomenal the way he lays it out about how the intertwining of uh, religion and politics, and it, it, it's applicable to history as far back as you can look. Yeah, it's scary stuff. Yeah, very bad because people need that kind of hope, and then that kind of hope is a huge controlling factor. Yes, well, religion. Is like a cancer on a healthy society. It needs to be controlled. (laughs) 
very controlled. But well, any- uh, I would say yes and no on that too. I think religion can be a beautiful thing. It can be. It it gets it gets abused and used a lot. It does. In and the, poli- it, and in the it, political it, realm is yes. Yeah. It gets when it when it gets co opted by the political realm. That's when you have problems. That's when you need to watch out. Well, I'll say this. <laughs> uh, I know that I, uh, terrorist attacks. I don't care if they are on American soil or if it is, you know, any terrorist attack. It doesn't matter. People always say, well, not every Muslim is a terrorist. Not every Christian is a terrorist. That's true. However, religion is always there. It's always there. When we had the, uh, wa- the, uh, the white supremacists in North Carolina not too long ago, which I can't even believe that we're at Nazis in North Carolina, uh, for God's sake. We got that. Guess who was holding up the Bible? The Klan had the Bible up. Read this part. I mean, come on. This is, it's ridiculous. It's a very, very, it's, it's not good. And it's in every terrorist attack. Every it, one of them. It is. But they're all, if you look at the religions that any of them claim to be from, none of them, none of those religions would condone that activity. And as a whole, they don't. Mm. But it, it's, it does open those doors to that kind of activity. You know, there was a time that religion was not a motivation for terrorism. <laughs> this is true, yes. In many, in, in some ways, you could say, I mean, what about the weathermen? The what? The weathermen in the 60s. I'm Really radical, left-wing, basically communist group that went around bombing places uh the biter meinhof gang in uh west germany that was radical left-wing atheist Um, were they atheists though because yeah i mean you know if you're if you're espousing communism in many ways yeah you're, you're probably an atheist okay so it's it's not it's it's not just it's not just religion there is a shift Somewhere I find that it's 80s. always there, though. Somewhere in the 80s, there is a shift to a more religious bent to terrorism, and that's what we have now. But it hasn't always been that way. Mm. I, I, I know what you're saying. I think as people lose power, as they lose a sense of hope, they begin to... Religion becomes more and more important to them. That's what I'm, that's what I was that's where I was coming well, from. Is yeah, that, it seems yeah. to give them a the it gives them the meaning to their yeah whatever crazy religion thing provides doing. hope, and then you get political people that grab that and take a group of say super oppressed people, and they're like, well, you know, come follow us and whatever we'll promise you whatever afterlife you want to hear and all you got to do is go blow this shit up and kill a bunch of people and then you have this right. cool eternal life that you could never possibly dream of anything better than and right. it, it just 
Right. Well, and, and, I am, and, and it, 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 it is feeds it off is, of people without hope. Right. And it is much more, I think, on the Muslim side because you do have a considerable amount of people in those countries and in that part of the world that don't have hope and don't have power. I think don't as, have anything. They're right. Exactly. It's incredibly. See, like, I keep thinking about the Ruby Ridge and the Wacos and all of that stuff that yeah. happens more here. And it's all religious groups. Well, I don't know if those, let are, me just say that also I am are, part Buddhist and there's never <laughs> been a Buddhist terrorism <laughs> attack ever. So, uh, people in India might disagree with that comment but oh the the uh no, don't no do tell <laughs> yeah keep well I, I think there have been some some really extremist buddhist uh i think maybe in sri lanka i'd have to look some of this up but i think there has been any i think any I, re- any, I think any religion is gonna have it's extremists and people that are willing it to is. do incredibly insane things. And my point and was any that, ideology and my point was as well. The core beliefs of that religion would not condone the activities of those groups. Exactly. Well, neither would neither would like straight from Jesus because Jesus really, whenever you get down to it, he says exactly the same thing that Buddha says. Yeah, there's no difference. It's I'm just sorry. love people. It's you know, just be nice. Yes, and forgive and all of that yeah. stuff, which I do, and I don't Skittles hate anybody. But um, <laughs> the Skittles and but, unicorns. <laughs> uh, just like, well, I don't know that Hindu really, but uh, the um, when no, you Hindu. take the you know my favorite thing about the Hindu, what's that? Is that they don't believe in. Pressing their religion on other people, they believe that neither other religions. Neither does Buddhism. Well, and neither does uh, JC. Never said do that. No, but but Hinduism says, well, we might be wrong, and other people might be right. They like like that's in their scripture. Well, but most most other religions have this like marketing kind of aspect to, or like uh, we got to convince other people and spread the word. Except right, for maybe but, the thuggy. See, I think that all of that <laughs> stuff stems off of, and I could be wrong. I'm just putting this out here. The, uh, I just recently read this thing. It was, um, well, it was a Buddhist text. But anyway, though, it was basically talking about the Old Testament and how it was poisoned by, the man, by man and how, <laughs> you know, it was, it basically was, uh, it made God out to be sort of like a man having logic and eye for an eye and that kind of thing. Whereas, like, if you look at Buddhism and then just, just what Jesus teaches, it is not like that at all. He's oh, for sure. completely different. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that a lot of the Old Testament starts creeping into well, Jesus, contaminating, if you will. Jesus even said, like, I'm not even a Christian, but Jesus said, forget the old law, forget Moses. It was like he was talking Moses' law. Yes. Forget the old, old law, I bring you a new law, and that is just... Oh, he busted up a uh, synagogue. Nice. He busted up a sy- And most yeah. of the time he fought religious leaders. He did. Yes. Skittles and unicorns, man. man. Jesus was you? kind of a badass. I'm not going to lie. Was, I'm not a Christian, but he was kind I of a badass. I cannot stand when somebody Jesus says, I'm cool. a Christian, and then you mention Buddhism to them, and they're like, well, I'm not into that freaky stuff. <laughs> it's the same thing, you moron. <laughs> How dare you? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, well, you know, Buddha did have the middle path, which is kind of similar in many ways to what Jesus taught as well. Oh, they're yeah. so <clears throat> similar. <laughs> but anyway. Um, uh, 
That is my Just jihad. don't blow up anybody because you don't agree with them. That's, right, exactly. That's all they wanted. Well, that's I. Uh, I am not. <laughs> I'm not conservative, and I'm. I'm not liberal. I don't need a group to make a decision. But anyway, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, idiots. exactly. Good point. So uh, I have problems with both of them. The ones that I have the most problem with would be conservatives because everything they do is not right. It doesn't work. I mean, they sound like idiots online. It's just ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not the CEO. <laughs> I, I'm not the CEO of a multi-billion-dollar corporation, so I can't really get. Oh, there's most that, of their and the, the trickle-down shit. That's Ugh. never worked. <clears throat> Fountainhead. Uh, anyway, I've read. Oh, I've read Ayn Rand. You talk about. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on that. Anyway, a balance. There, Forgive there, your there's, brother. There's an interesting. There's an interesting thing about Ayn Rand. Is a lot of uh, a lot of conservative evangelical Christians have embraced a lot of her teachings. Uh-huh. And she was as atheist and that's as, what I don't understand. And as anti-religion as you could get. That's probably the only <laughs> thing that she had in common with, See, with I, communism. I, yeah, I like reading her because it's interesting if you understand where she came from how she swung to the complete opposite side of it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's about the extent of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she saw how, how bad um, communism could be. And she wrote about the complete opposite because she, she poured all of her eggs into capitalism. But com- total capitalism doesn't work either. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, if you read her with the understanding of where she came from, it's, an, it's interesting stuff. I don't know. I, right. d- I really don't find anything that she says to be really <laughs> that helpful at all. It's uh, it, she's just another extremist. She's just on a different oh, side, yeah. Yeah, and for it's, sure. it doesn't work. Mm. It just give me something that works. Well, I don't think I don't think socialism without capitalism works. And I don't think capitalism without socialism. works. No, you need a balance. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, that's like being conservative you need already, and you need unicorns. Chris, Chris Rock. <laughs> Chris Rock said... Skittles and motherfucking unicorns. If you are a... <laughs> now you got to bleep yourself. I don't give a shit. If, <laughs> wait, I got a point. Okay. Chris Rock, whom is a genius, he said, he's like, if you're a Republican, you're an idiot. If you're a liberal, you're an idiot. Because if you've made up your mind before you even hear what the guy has to say, that's fundamentally stupid. And he's right. Mm-hmm. So I think we will leave it there. Okay, I think that uh, in the words of Chris Rock, th- this has been this has been fun. I've I've really enjoyed this. This is much more. They're of not going to listen to this whole thing, dude. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is this I is much started more out with good... my very negative speech, and they're going to be like, yeah, nah, yeah. Done. Once they once they heard, I ain't listening to this boy talk about wrestling. Ball, he's my hero. <laughs> I ain't listening to this. Yes, I'm gonna turn this off and send an email right now. And I forgive you. Conspiranormal gmail dot com. <laughs> To both of you that are still listening, though, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for listening to, the, I guess this is the second edition of the Romper Room. I want to do more of this, guys. We need to do more of this. I need some more of these Rocky Patel 1990s. They're fantastic. Aren't these delicious? <laughs> I, can I, I... I don't want this to sound uh, sexist at all, okay? Sure. But scotch and a cigar, can women enjoy this as much as us? Is it possible? I don't know. 
We um, need to find out because I feel like this is like I'm so in my element now. Like <laughs> it's just like those two things are like ecstasy to me, and I, I just I wonder if women are just like man, it's stupid and it stinks. Most of the women I've known feel pretty much that way. Like Alyssa won't come near me when I'm holding a glass of scotch because she will smell. My girlfriend just thinks it's ridiculous. She's yeah. just like, oh yeah, I don't get it. Same, <laughs> same. I, I, but I'm sure that I'm sure that they're out there. I don't know what drives us towards this. I I want to talk to these people. I really I do. Some, I think there's some instincts there. We need to we need to broach this subject. Mm. <laughs> I, it's not out of it's not out of trying to be mean or whatever. I'm like Jane Goodall. I just I want to <laughs> I want to know and I want to document it. <laughs> like this girl actually loves perfect, perfect. <laughs> so um, any female listeners out there that enjoy scotch and or cigars, please and listen know. to this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> next next time, guys, uh, we are going to have on Ren Collier. Back to the guest format. Uh, not that Jeff isn't a guest, but we he's going to we're going to talk to he's of the Liminal Room uh, blog. And we're going to talk to him about his forays into the occult Ooh. and some other aspects that he's interested in with the world of u- ufology. And Ren's an interesting guy. I've gotten to speak with him on Where Did the Road Go, a couple of roundtables that we've done. And uh, about time we've had him on the show. So, And we also are going to have a uh, another guest in studio next time that is uh, going to be sharing some of his technology ah, with us. Good. Is so, it is it electric nunchucks? Yes. <coughs> yes. Those were terrifying. Yeah, the electric nunchucks may make an appearance. You never know. Jeff, oh, thank wow. you for being here with us. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Really this is a blast. Uh, Rob, tell everybody about our Patreon in case we we probably lost all our Patreon, so we need to get some more. Yeah, yeah, so, we haven't yeah, we haven't plugged this in a minute, but uh we've got our growing community on the Patreon website. It's patreon.com/conspiranormal. Uh, there's quite a few of you guys and we love you so much and we post regular uh, about once a month bonus episodes and you know wallpapers and just just random stuff up there different tiers of things and if you want to contribute to the show that's a great way to do it if you don't have money and you don't want to contribute that way we understand you can always go to iTunes or Stitcher and just give us a five star review Uh, any really great ones we'll read here on the air because we love you guys and we like feedback so Yes, absolutely. Thank you, guys. And we will be back next time on Conspiranormal!
Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. 
You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life altering. And if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.